0: listen
1: ever wish that you could time travel well with WMNF you can to listen back to your favorite shows just go to WMNF.org
2: or the WMNF app click on the broadcast schedule under programming and boom time travel go to any show to hear the latest and greatest at any
1: time it's like DVR but for your radio where music news and culture collide WMNF.org and the WMNF app
3: Shadows cast by rainbow, there you'll meet the sage Feeding rabbits bits of lettuce, or cleaning out the cage
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Sunday Forum right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Spit
4: II, along with my main man, Mabili. Good morning. What's up, B? You all Pretty good, pretty good. That was a big Mm -hmm. march on Washington yesterday. It was, it was. Commemoration. Exactly. Was it 60 years? 60 60 years. 60 years, man. We have
1: uh, Dr. Alden Morris, who is... uh, one of the foremost scholars of Du Boisian history, W.E.B. Du Bois history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Du Bois was 99 years old at the time of his passing in Accra, Ghana. And he is currently, um, uh, Dr. Morris is currently in Ghana, in Accra, uh, to celebrate uh, that, to commemorate the fact that he, the the passing of Dr. Du Bois Uh uh, during that time. And of course, he passed three days before the march yeah knowing that the march was going to happen right wishing them well you know and making his uh, his final doing his final writings and things like that and it was something that that uh, that when you read his writings there were there, there's there's some commentary of his reflection of his studies mm-hmm and his hopes for us mm-hmm. as a people. And it actually, is a, it's a, even today, if you read it, it's a tearjerker. I, I urge everybody to please go online and find the last writings of W.E.B. Du Bois um, and his wishes for uh, for uh, black America and black people in general for the pan-African movement. Um it's really, it really is a tearjerker because, for for me, it was a tearjerker because of the fact that, um, I think personally, it, it, I think so deeply of this type of thing. Like last night, my wife was asking me. She says, "Well, uh, she said, well, what, what what do you think about uh, repatriation? About going going to Africa and staying?'" And quite honestly, I do it. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I have no, I have no um, uh, second. I would do it with no second thought, without a second thought. Uh, dual citizenship, absolutely. Dual citizenship, absolutely. And uh, doing business in Africa is 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 a, is another thing. You know, the, you know, the, the continent of Africa is never a question in my mind. Right. The 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 importance of the continent, the importance of this opportunity that we are facing right now in Africa is a is of critical importance. Right. That we look at the continent and we look at what is happening and that we involve ourselves in every aspect of what's happening in every aspect of what's happening. There should be a contingent that concerns itself with that so that we make certain that as black Americans who are descendants of the diaspora, that we are up on the news of what's happening there, which is why we do what we do here on the Sunday Forum, is we give African news. We give news from from the continent, from the motherland, about what's happening um, in keeping with the, the... a uh, spirit of Pan-Africanism, right? And, uh, or, or what, what Brother Life would call, um, and it's not the same thing, Brother Life, of course, as you say, it's not the same thing, so we'll, we'll respect that, but black internationalism, right? Um, and, and, and let me tell you, <clears throat> what we're seeing today is not old. And we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about what's happening today. Um with regard to the meetings that we've seen on the continent, those meetings are at least, was 1962, right? So 1962, uh, even before the year, right? Uh, but 1962, you had Muammar Gaddafi and Gamal Abdel Nasser, and you had... Kwame Nkrumah and uh, some other African leaders. Those those are the top ones that I can think of off the top of my head right now who came together to actually form the uh, the the AU the African Union and that particular organization if you will um, was dedicated towards making certain that there was some movement that there was an expression of the fact that we that, that we as africans sh- should be united number 1 that the continent itself needed to be uh, was was on the verge of independence from the from, from the colonial powers in 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 the normal sense of independence from the stand, from what when, when they understood independence to be, right? Uh, but only to find out, of course, that there, there was no true independence. There was no true independence. Think about it. Uh, you have the same European nations that divided Africa were the same ones that were invested in Africa. And were taking resources from Africa and never gave anything back to Africa. They believe in their minds, in, in their sick little minds, that they were that they gave back to Africa, right? Um, but they did not. They they took from it in the worst possible way. And they killed people, and they destroyed. And and for some reason this was justified. It, it was okay to do, right? It's the same sick concept that we see um, that we see being perpetrated on Africans wherever we are. Right, think about it. The early 1900s, late late 1800s, um, throughout the early 20th century. You know, you had what the red the red summer. It, it, shoot, it was more like the red decade, like ten years at least of killing of a killing spree that was taking place not only in North America, but in South America. And not in South America, but in the islands, in in, in Cuba. You had the, the Cuban Race War of 1912. Um, you know, and, and you had the Morwa Law that, that prompted that, which, by the way, um, was created by a black man by the name of Martin Morwa. What is, he died soon after, as a member of the, of the Senate of the of the uh, of the Cuban Senate, he died soon after. And then, and and, and cre- after he created that law, that law, and I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to say to you. It's very, very important that, that you listen to this. That law outlawed any organization or entity that, by name, by name described race or had race in it for instance you had different mutual aid societies right uh that were that were geared towards helping the people who were veterans of the war primarily black people you had recent you had just recently released uh you know a whole a whole generation of slaves of Africans. Right, who were sl- who were enslaved, and so they needed help. So they had organizations that that um, that were geared towards that help, mutual aid organizations. And you had the first political party, the first black political party in the Western Hemisphere, was the Partido Independiente de Color, the Independent Party of Color, and that was outlawed. It was the biggest outlaw group, literally, on the island. I I hope everybody's hearing what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Parallel that same, and and they killed. Listen to me. They went, the government sent out kill squads to go out and hunt these people down who were members, along with their families and people who were primarily located in La Provincia de, um, oh gosh, um, in, well, it was a sub- southern province in in, uh, in, in Cuba. Okay, uh, it'll it'll come to me later on. Mm-hmm. But if they went to that province, Santiago, Santiago, La Provincia oh, de, San- okay. de Santiago, they went down to Santiago and they killed between three thousand to five thousand people. Shot them in cold blood, whether they were part of the Independent Party of Color or not. Do, do, do you see? Do you see the danger of what this governor is doing? Yeah. Okay. He just he's doing the same type of yeah. thing. And coincidentally, coincidentally, where was he stationed? <laughs>
4: where, where was he stationed? You mean in, he in Guantanamo. Guantanamo, yeah. Which is uh, something they're keeping very quiet, is his exploits <laughs> down there, his lack of concern for humanity. Oh, and earlier, did we say 50th, and it's the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. This is the 60th Martin uh, anniversary yes, of the Martin, March on Washington. Washington. Yes, we pointed that out. I'm and we out. do have the, the the speech, the fiery speech by Reverend, James, uh, Reverend Jamal Bryant. That's who oh. it was. Jamal Bryant. <laughs> wow. And he mentions DeSantis. He's a pastor from Georgia. He delivers this passionate speech. On, on the mall yesterday. Really? And he goes after the governor, he goes after Republican politicians, including the former 45 and Cruz yes. and Abbott and, you know, Ronda. Uh, but, you know, this is our, this is some good stuff. He's really laying it out there just as, you know, with all of the fire and, and fervor that we need to hear it with. And yes. maybe we can play it today. I see it on C-SPAN.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Tabit we're going to play it. All right. Okay, we're going to play it. Um, we urge you to call in 813-239-9663, 813-239-9663. Now, um, we are going, we're taking it to a whole nother level now. We're taking this show to a whole nother level, folks. And I want you to understand that this is exactly what Brother Otis Anthony wanted. This is what he wanted. He wanted to he wanted to do a do something that was so that was expansive, something that was expansive, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're bringing to you right now over the radio waves, right here on the Sunday Forum WMNF. You know, um, got to tell you, Mobili, it is an honor, an honor to be in this position, um, to do what we do every Sunday, to serve our community in the way that we serve the community, with information uh, and and a voice, an opportunity to actually uh, be that voice, an opportunity to, to open up the airwaves to hear the voices of people. Whether they agree or disagree with us, we need to hear it. We need to know it. We need to hear it, right? Um, yes, sometimes the things we get over the airwaves are nonsense, uh, but nevertheless, You know that's what we're here for, right? So um, let let me me, let's go back to what we were talking about a second ago. So um, let's before we get into that, we are going to talk more about about the continent and what's happening on the continent, how important that is, and where we're going from there, right? And but I I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, man, um, I did watch the GOP debates, if you want to call them that. Really, it was. (laughs) It was not even really... Well, like a dog and pony show. It was. It was. It was not really a, a, a debate of of any real consequence. And certainly... Um, well, yes, it was. Yes, it was. And let me tell you why it was a debate of consequence. It's a debate of consequence for you people who continue to think and follow these people who are... Just wrong. I listened to, um, i give you a perfect example of what I mean. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> I don't know what rock this guy crawled from up under. I really don't. Now, he needs to stick to business, and that's what he needs to stick to, really, honestly. This guy sat there and said that Global warming and climate change was a hoax.
4: Hmm. It's high as has been
1: lately, <laughs> dude. Again, what rock did you crawl from under, Ramaswamy? Honestly, Vivek, that's just that is not even intelligent. That wasn't even an intelligent conversation
4: or an intelligent statement. To have made. But the applause, the fact of the matter is, we have yes. a party in the Republican. The applause was are, ridiculous. Right. They're not interested in governance. Wow. They're not interested in facts. They're interested in having their own alternative facts. I don't understand
1: that. That that is that blew my mind. That truly blew my mind. I mean, wow. If if you're if you believed in the intelligence of mankind, <laughs> like really, honestly, this will this will definitely dull your belief in the intelligence of mankind. I was really flabbergasted at the applause and the direction the applause was going in. For instance, Governor Chris Christie, um, he went after Ramaswamy and these guys like trying to get him to, like, what are you saying? Like, he, he was the only one really that made any sense. Right. He really was the only, and it's like he was surrounded by idiots. And, yeah. and quite honestly, Mike Pence, listen. Right. He made sense. He made, they made, they're the only two really that made any sense. Everybody else was a complete idiot. Tim Scott, what the hell? Right.
4: That it's the nonsense that keeps getting at the top.
1: Unbelievable.
4: Of the field. Because
1: when, when, when were they going to talk about facts? When were they going to talk about things that matter? For They're instance. And, and they
4: just weren't getting to it. They were not getting to it. Uh, not once did they mention abortion, any of those things that people are. Nikki struggling Haley with.
1: mentioned it. Nikki Haley mentioned it. Uh, Nimrada, excuse me. Nimrada said it did do it.
4: Yes, she did. She did, right, she but did. they're all running from it. I mean, she's a woman, yeah. yeah. But, and who I don't even remember which. I I, I didn't watch it, so I what can't she remember which. Said, said
1: truthfully, I, I'm being honest with you. Um, she didn't go in depth, right? But she has taken a stance on the issue of abortion that is, I guess, from the GOP's position, would be a safe stance, right? Uh. I've heard her say things about women's health, right? Uh, but that she is she's against she's against abortion. She's pro life, right? They call pro life,
4: but she's for women's health, right? So the question is a national ban. I mean, they've. Achieved getting it back to the states, yeah. which means a state can discriminate if they wanted to because there's nobody checking them. So the question is, will they, as a president, try to put to get put in place a national ban? Right, right. And they, they're running from that question. They're running from even talking about it.
1: Right. Uh, DeSantis turns around and his whole, his whole, again, his whole thing was to get us back on track, to get the conversation back on track. Can we please not talk, when, when we're talking about what happened on January 6th, um, you know, can we get us back on track, please? Because we're wasting time talking about uh, Donald Trump. Uh, excuse me, dang, I owe the money. Um, you know, number three, Right. Mm-hmm. So what? What's the purpose? Now what we, can, we can call number seventy-one now. <laughs> That's how many charges this guy has, man. <laughs> fool, we got seventy-four charges on here, bro. God, duh. I don't. I've, I just don't see a way around this thing for you. I really don't.
4: He's gonna go to jail, bro. Right. He's bro, go to jail. I don't know. And the sister though, but the sister oh, in Georgia. Oh, she bro. She uh, she, gonna she get him. She made him take that mugshot. Everybody else scared to do that, but th- she made him do it. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, she got him. She got him good,
1: and Giuliani. I mean, it was it was nasty, bro. It was because, nasty. Because
4: you know those sisters that were intimidated, those poll workers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm upset about that. I'm sorry. I'm upset about that. You know, so they need they need justice. It's ba- just, badly. badly, badly,
1: badly. Um, what what we have done? What what they have done in this country? Is they've allowed a? They, they are they are they are cultivating a system and a culture of ignorance
4: and possibly violence and violence know? because it, as you were saying, you know the the violence that we experienced after Reconstruction. You know, it got even worse in the nineteen hundreds and the nineteen twenties because of the rise of this kind of hate. Is you know, they, the Ku Klux Klan had gotten a lot of political power absolutely. in those decades after Reconstruction. And By that's why the violence mm-hmm.
1: they had gotten way out of hand. Um uh, mm-hmm. having reformed in Des Moines, Iowa, um right. and then and, and then gone absolutely berserk. Uh you know, I gotta say, you know,
4: we we talk about the Klan. There are worse groups in the Klan. Oh, yeah, nowadays. (laughs) Right? The Proud Boys, the Neo Nazis. I mean, there were people.
1: I mean, just people. They they didn't have to be Klan members. Everybody in them pictures that we saw, those weren't all Klan members. Those those historic postcards that we saw. for those people who don't know what I'm talking about, let me let me let me just let me educate you about this. And it, it maybe some—I was amazed to find out how many people, especially white people, that didn't know this. Right? Don't be surprised, given the education system today. I was completely blown. Okay, so these people—I talked to a group of white people that had no idea. They were tourists to, uh, from a tourist um, organization a tourism organization, right? And my my job that day was as a consultant to teach them about um about uh sensitivity, cultural sensitivity. And to and, and my other job was to deal with the issue of environmental issues that they will face in various parts of the United States, you know, um that, that they also had to be sensitive to. So in, one of the, in, in my first presentation, I pointed out to them, I, I asked some questions of them about what they knew about the South, right? And they were from California, they were from all over the United States. And I think most of them probably were from, I think two of them were from the South, literally from the South, and the rest of them were probably like California, New York, places like that, right? Um, so I said, you know, what, what what do you know about the South? Like, what do you know about its history? Do you know about its cruel, the, the, the cruel history that existed here, right? Uh, you ever seen those postcards with the babies and the alligators? And, and, and they were like, Yeah, I saw a little baby with the alligator. I said, what what was the baby black or white? Um uh, they said, well, the one I saw was white. I said, Yeah. Okay. The same postcard, only a few years before, was consistently sent out with a black baby, and the alligator was pulling on its diaper. Hmm. They were like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah. What your are seeing is the is the sun. The, I think it's the sunbeam baby, whatever. The little white kid that's that's on there." And the dog, little puppy, is pulling at the, at the kid's draw. Oh,
4: yeah, the uh, suntan So, suntan lotion.
1: lotion thing, right? What do you think they got that from? Mm-hmm. Where do you think they got that from? And they, they were like, hmm. I said, there are cards. they are literally cards. And there was a time when people would go into the quarters, if you will, or into the, the black side of town. They would. Kick the door open, go in, grab a baby, or take a baby from from randomly from any woman, any black woman, whatever or whatever, and use them as what they call gator bait. What? They sat there in total disbelief
4: until I showed them the cards. And those cards, are, if not depicting if not depicting real life at the time, they were depicting the images of what was happening. Of what was happening and what was in their mind, what they wanted to happen. And you mentioned earlier, you were talking earlier about Cuba. Uh think about the Cuban workers who were here. Uh and anytime the they rose up, because a lot of them were coming out of revolutionary uh uprisings in Spain, um the
2: here idea that they sp- were here
4: being Tampa by the way. Right. Here being in Tampa they were working as cigar workers in other positions, and here in Tampa, but they still had a connection with Spain, and would oftentimes use that as fuel to rise up to get better working conditions here. Right. And the people like the Board of Trade, people whose names of white guys like sitting on the uh, airport, or the air, yeah, the airport on D- on Davis Island, Peter O'Knight, you know, were part of the Board of Trade who would. Consistently, violently uh, act as vigilantes against these workers, mm-hmm. oftentimes disappearing these workers. And of course, we can't forget Robert Johnson, who was lynched in the thirties for marching uh, in support of black workers here in Tampa. So we've had our history of violence, and these scenes depicted on these cards are were you know ideal were, were idealized by whites and remembering that this violence had a political necessity in their minds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: you know, um, this is the type of violence that needs to be understood was a reality and is a reality for the, for the people, for, for our people, period. Across the board, right across the board and the this type of violence was something that was that we expected we right. We came to expect anything other than that
4: was weird. It was strange right. for us, but they're glorifying it now right this is once this is happening again politically, and you have governors who speak to it yes. they send out dog whistles for it. I mean. I don't think it's any accident that a lot of the insurrectionists on January sixth were from Florida. That's right. That's right. You know, I don't think
1: that that we uh, that we live in a, in a reality. I don't think that we're living in a real reality, the, the actual reality of what's happening or what happened. And what this guy DeSantis is doing right now um, is a is such a travesty, such a travesty and a tragedy. Um, and, and the people, the fact that you have people that are following and thinking this is such a good idea and they make excuses for
4: it, and they do, it's real tragedy. Trying to normalize it. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people who... In the Republican Party, who have been lately, if they've been, they've been too quiet for too long. But lately, have found the need to speak up, mm-hmm. uh, like of course Chris Christie and all of them. But the yeah, fact he's
1: that like, I think this guy finds he finds he finds that type of activity or that that attitude to be madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he actually thinks it's madness. You know, I'm, I'm not a Chris Christie fan like that, right? But. I was I was glad to see him, like he was like, "Are you people serious right now? Are you serious? Right. The,
4: the, nothing that's going on right now is good. Are you right. kidding me?" But, but because he spoke out, even though he's talking to the people, just him. the base of the party, right? He's not going to get the nomination because no. he spoke out. Yeah, he spoke up. Yeah, he called, he called he called
1: Swami out. Yeah. And and told and it was proven that what he said was true. Uh regarding the issue of uh of oh, of of the statement he made against Donald against number number seventy one. <laughs> yeah. Number seventy one. And you know, that was crazy because literally it's in the book. It's in his book. He said it. It's I mean, doesn't matter if he said it verbally or not. It's in the book, right? He wrote it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's there. So, look here. Here it is. Uh, the the people were asked the question as to whether or not they would support a uh, um, a run for the for seventy one if he was
4: chosen. Oh God! Well, it's the it's the loyalty pledge. This, whoever yeah. gets the nomination, are you going to vote for them? And I'm like, this guy's. Uh, uh, Forty-five did not even take the pledge the, back in 2016. He, he was the only one now on the stage, you know, who said, "If I win, yeah, but not none of you other ones." So, <laughs> yeah, they continue to to demand a loyalty pledge, which is a, a sign of fascism, as far as I'm concerned. You know, because you don't, you don't have the freedom of your own, you know, your mind. You can't make up your own mind. The party wants to make up your mind for you yeah. and demand discipline. Uh, but, you know, whoever did not raise their hand, and I don't think Chris Christie did. No, he did not. So, you know, I you know, I give him props for that. He did not. He did not. Like, half of them
1: did, half of them didn't. Um, and, and I got to say, uh, uh, you know, kudos to Mike Pence from the standpoint that, you know, He's a stand-up guy. <laughs> He's a stand-up guy uh, by not cert- by am sorry by certifying the election and not doing what
4: what Donald seventy one was telling
1: him he wanted him to do.
4: And and think of the crime that was underway Ooh. in Georgia. They tried to send fake electors. These Man. are people even the, the, despite how Georgia voted. Georgia voted for the Democratic. Candidate, And so the electors that are sent are supposed to vote for the Democratic candidate if you are from Georgia, because Georgia, the people of Georgia voted for the Democratic candidate. So they were going to send fake electors that were going to vote for the Republican candidate, regardless of how the state voted. You know, this is as far as I'm concerned, this is uh, was this was definitely a cool attempt. This was a cool attempt, and it can happen here. And all you need is somebody who's smarter, you know, and willing to do it and intimidate enough people. Uh, And I think that this governor is one of those tight people that will intimidate people enough to send. And I think he was caught on tape. Uh, There was some evidence that there were some fake electors that he was trying to set up as Mm -hmm. well. So, but Florida went for yeah forty five yeah. But absolutely. this is how you this is how you this is the very American type coup. Cool. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. the first type is already built in with the electoral college. You could win the popular vote and still lose the office. So, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the sort of built-in coup that the oligarchs of this country have put in place. We were on the edge of something. At that at,
1: during that time, that and, and right now we, we we're kind of away from it right now, but we are literally on the edge of something right now that's very dangerous, extremely dangerous, mm-hmm. and we better wake up. We better wake up. Uh, the you know people talking the the black folks that I've talked to that have said they they support. You know they support seventy one and and this that and the other. I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm listening to them and I'm trying to pull some pull from what they're saying, some sort of response that makes sense. And I'm not getting one. Nothing they said makes sense. They mm-hmm. they're completely. They, they're like, I'm not I'm not no African. I'm 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 an American. And I okay fine. Let, let, so let, let's 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 say that you you just take on that that whole thing. Okay, that's fine. Okay, we are we are technically mm-hmm. speaking we are. Uh, and, and so why 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 do I I don't have any connection there? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna support I'm gonna support him because he got business sense. He got business sense. Yeah, you he hear know, that a He know he know
4: what you're talking about. And, and I'm was,
1: sitting. There, I'm like.
4: We've what? been propagandized to death on Fortify's business since. Man is one of the worst. He has been one of the worst. He lost that billion that his daddy oh, left him. Man. And he does not he didn't, he was pretty much a second rate uh, real estate agent, a uh, real estate owner in New York, uh, mogul rather. He wasn't what his father was, even though his father was, a a racist who didn't want to pay his taxes either and taught his son the same thing, you know. (laughs) But at least his father knew what he was doing in real estate. This guy didn't. And, you know, the Taj Mahal fell apart, you know. So I don't know what, you know, they're talking about when they say he has business because he has not been knowing what he's been doing. If he didn't do the, the Celebrity Apprentice he would be nowhere Absolutely. right now. Absolutely,
1: man. We got some phone calls here. Let's let's go to the line and take these calls.
4: Okay, caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. Hey,
0: how you doing? All right, how you doing, now? Huh? Fine, fine. I see that you were discussing a little bit of what I I think you message from the Sandersburg in terms of the uh, alligator bait. Right uh, article. I hope you had a chance to take a look at that. It did. But it went beyond that. It, it what you what you have here is is an adoption. They have a and what people don't understand it, in terms of we've adopted the philosophy of eugenics. In fact, it's real eugenic. Mm. And you think about that. What's happening with these these insurance companies and and at our health care uh when you took a look at when I did the research on this particular article I found that uh, i studied um, uh, when i came across uh what the scientists was really thinking you know and it mimics it mimics eugenics and if you look at the what they say in in in, in the, what they call the eugenic archive, you'll find that he talks about dehumanization. You talk about uh, um, uh, and and how many people have adopted this type of uh, uh, adopted this type of philosophy, and how the. go back to the alligator, there was atrocities you read about at the Alfred Dozier School of Boys in uh, Mariana where they interviewed one gentleman who said that he saw hands and feet um, of of kids and found out they were feeding these kids these hogs, the hogs there the the bodies of boys that they chopped up and cooked Uh, you know he, he describes how dogs and, and Albert do We look at it and say, hey, you know, you're right. You look at this, and so we began to develop, the, the, uh, began to look at. And there's this, there's a very interesting. Go to eugenicsarchive.ca. dot It's called Eugenics Archive, and it goes into detail as you define each point of the, of the disability, dehumanization, uh. Uh, and, and uh, uh, subhumanization and defines these words. And it's, it's all linked in that particular particular article. This is a time kind
4: that of we are living in, man. Well, why is it that you, they keep repeating history? Isn't it insanity to just keep doing the same thing over and over again right. and, and expecting a different result? The, the result is going to continue to be the same. And so why keep hearkening back to old eugenics ideas and, and old racists and, and resorting back to the racist violence. Why? I think, well, it's rhetorical for me because somebody has been exploiting people like these politicians, Republican politicians, have been exploiting white fear. They're exploiting the idea of white replacement. The whole white replacement theory is front and center, Let's even though they don't want to talk about it much. It,
0: it, it's interesting, Hugh, really, that word, you know, where history repeats itself. Because he didn't mention that. He said that, well, history doesn't repeat itself. It's something with Mark Twain it's that history really doesn't repeat itself, but it sure enough rhymes.
4: Right. But, you know, also, and if the, if people people who don't want to teach history, don't want to uh, remember what they their ancestors did to you, they plan to repeat it. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And that's what's the intent. When you keep a. Uh, 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 you look at the the uh, the the, the education that mimics the Bantu Education Act of uh, the board. When you keep a people in this, and read, what that tries to accomplish, keep people in a state of mind of ignorance and keep them from the only to, to be servants and and work for the, uh, uh, a certain jobs necessary for the ruling class of people. So that's what the miseducation is about. And when you deny when you bl- block history actually it, it, it blocks history for all. And so uh, that miseducation uh, 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 hurts everybody. And what happens is it reduces your, uh, um it keeps you in a state of again a state of impoverish and of poverty and those sort of things. So what is, what is also happening is there's this happens, but these are educated folks. This is where you are people who are, have had have, uh, all those things of all that we've done in terms of of, uh, of accomplished in the, in this country and uh, a legislative least, have, have accomplished. Uh, had been uh, undermining this story. And the institution that does that and has done that is, they served as their purpose is the United States Supreme Court. When you go back and you look at the Fourth Court, you look at the, uh, and the Fuller Court is, is uh, 18, it starts around 1870, Garfield starts that, well, Fuller was elected with a specific purpose, to end Reconstruction. And then you see this cadre of individuals that have been put in. Put, put in, put in, put in Adam White, for example, uh, was a, a justice that served on the Supreme Court uh, at that time. And he was a uh, contrarian soldier. He was a Klansman, the founder of the Klan in Louisiana. Then you see these other characters who coming into place. And then in in 1896, you see the evisceration of Plessy D. Ferguson, especially starting the uh, legalized, did quote, era. But it goes beyond that, because Edwin White then becomes Supreme Court Justice. He is followed by Howard Taft. Howard Taft is a eugenicist. Uh, And he comes along at the same time of, like, Planned Parenthood. What do you think that was? That was a eugenics movement. You know, with just uh, mass sterilization. The Nazis picked up on all this and developing their Nuremberg laws and stuff like that. And so you think that you were going to and then uh, with under Edwin White, you think anything about civil rights were going to get past every piece of legislation that was had ever been identified to, to bring us back into the, in the citizenship in this country. If you will know, has been eviscerated by the Supreme Court. And when you look at the makeup of it, it's just the makeup of it. You find in the former confederate eugenicism and and those sort of things. And that was the philosophy of this country, but it was also philosophy of many of the Western European countries at the time. and stuff, and the Nuremberg Laws come and say, and who did the Nuremberg Laws Jews, gypsies, and blacks. And blacks uh, who lived in, in Germany at the time suffered a different fate, but it was tremendous. They were, those who were skilled and stuff were discriminated against. And, stuff. and then we look at this, so this is an extension. And when we debunked, we leave since so-called debunking eugenics movement but it's been readopted again in the opioid crisis. We got a guy named Andrew Kolodny, says that who developed the United States the CDC guidelines on opioid. He says that one of the things that his group says is called PROP, uh, we call Physicians for responsible use of of, of opioid uh, pers- uh, Prescription. He says that black folks and his group says black people don't experience pain. Look at what we—that's that, that, right on video. I put that in the video. So we fear again. Yeah. The whole thing starts up, up again. And now the justice the insurance companies have adopted. They've developed what we call neo eugenic algorithms that discriminate a certain because Hitler used to a
1: certain populations. Well, yep, yep, yep. This is this is all true. Uh but thanks, Doc. We appreciate it. We got it. We got another call. We gotta go to. Let's let's go to that next call.
2: Go ahead, go ahead Good caller. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, uh, first of all, I know it's your show, but I hope you go back to the time limit thing because, you know, it's disrespectful to just have other callers waiting when one just goes on and on and on. But anyway, um, this is Margaret, and I want to say uh, let us not give Chris Christie and Mike Pence any kind of credit. For what they're doing now, they're running for president. So of course, they now want to be talk against Donald Trump. And what Mike Pence did on that day, he only did his duty. He didn't do anything extra special. He was not—he was supposed to certify the election. So he doesn't get any credit for that. He did—he's supposed to have done that. And Chris Christie knows that he cannot get Trump's followers. So, therefore, he's going to go after other followers. So, now he want to talk against Trump and say, what Trump bad. Because I've I watched Christie a long time. I don't trust him. I don't trust Clint. Uh, I mean, um, Mike Pence. And they are just hypocrites. And it's nothing good to say about them now that they are trying to speak against Donald Trump. Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, you know, a couple things. Uh, <coughs> you You're right. I mean, I don't think anybody here disagrees with you, Miss Marguerite. I don't think I don't think anybody disagrees with you. Um, and first, first, one of the things I want to say also is we apologize if uh, if we let that kind of drag on a little bit. But uh, sometimes when people speak about certain things, they they need to uh, get it out. But more than that, um, we normally don't get as many phone calls at this particular part of the day.